Hello and welcome to the August edition of the EMJ Primary Survey. I'm Simon Carley and today I'm going to be taking you through the highlights of the August edition based on what Mary Dowd has put together for the primary survey in the journal. I'll kick off by agreeing with her that it's it's interesting doing primary surveys at this time because it's it's really interesting to see how many excellent papers are coming through submitted to the EMJ around COVID-19 knowing that many of these have been written and rewritten in a time of significant adversity and some of the greatest challenges our specialties have faced, well, probably in the last century. So the August edition um, has got papers that cover the wide range of emergency medicine, all of which are pretty much, you know, pretty interesting, actually. Um, But for us, um, and perhaps the most moving and poignant paper of all, is The View From Here in the August edition, written by Landry and Ouchie in Boston. They describe how one doctor used her phone to make a brief video which allowed an elderly dying patient to say a few last precious words of love to his family who could not be with him because of the virus. And that will be an experience which will be familiar to to many of us. She then sent the video to his family. It was, in her own words, a desire to provide a connection in a deeply difficult time to preserve the patient's final conscious moments. She didn't want these intensely emotional moments and thoughts to belong only to her she wanted to offer them to his loved ones as well. And I think we agree that this doctor's empathy and deep compassion for this dying man and his family epitomises the true humanity and the great privilege we have as clinicians sharing such moments in our patients' lives. And we've always done that, but I think during COVID-19 we've seen, seen a lot more of it. Silver lining of this cruel virus is that it has brought to the fore the very best in healthcare staff and where there have been really countless examples of extraordinary acts of human kindness that have helped lighten the burden and sadness that is COVID-19. Many of us have been touched personally by tragedy and sadness during this time, and we've been encouraged and inspired by the compassion and fortitude demonstrated by our colleagues. And I think we can all be confident that our speciality, irrespective of future challenges, will be underpinned by kindness and the human connection. I I'd agree with Mary. I think you, you need to read this paper. Um, it's humbling but it's also reassuring at times of anxiety and upheaval. Most of all, it is an important human account for posterity. And I think many of us will find similarities of our experience over the last few months in this paper. And I think we can also share it with our colleagues to remind them of the incredible work they've done, not just clinically, but emotionally and in support of society. We're then going to have a look at um, under triaging in the older patient, and this is a, it's a real issue, and you know it's not completely devoid of our issues around COVID nineteen. So under triage in the older patient is an ongoing concern, particularly around major trauma in older patients, is on the increase, and it's worrying that serious injury might not always be recognised in this group. Hoyle and colleagues in the UK undertook a retrospective review of the the TARN, the Traumatologist and Research Network data, over a three month period from twenty fourteen. To look at this. And the findings give some substance to these concerns as they found mortality was higher in older patients despite a lower median IESS. Older patients were significantly less likely to have the attention of a consultant first attender or a trauma team and similar trends were also seen in subgroup analysis by mechanism of injury or number of injured body areas. And whilst more recent interventions and awareness focused on the older patient ED may have improved initial assessment, there's little room for complacency here. Older patients deserve the same urgency as younger patients, and I think that's not always the case. It doesn't always happen. Um, so do read this paper, even if it's not been your experience and the findings um, don't really chime with you. But I think it's a reminder that 
the data would suggest that this is a problem and we need to do as much as we can to ensure that we've got equitable care for older patients. Two other papers amongst the many worthy of mentioning this issue also relate to common presentations in the ED, notably um, papers on headache and colleagues fracture, always worth a review. And the editor's choice this month is headache, common presentation in the ED, and it's a really high-risk consultation. I think our local data suggests that if you turn up in ED with headache as your primary concern, about one in ten of those patients have got a, a serious, i.e. a life-threatening condition, subarachnoid, meningitis, um, that kind of thing, tumours. Not all of them are, of course, and so some of them are more benign, and migraines and things. And um, it's interesting, many physicians use an IV fluid bolus as part of a cocktail of treatments for patients presenting with headaches, even though the benefit of this treatment is less than clear. So ZTEC and colleagues undertook a randomised single-blinded clinical trial on patients from the age of 10 years up to 65 years who presented to a single ED in Nevada, USA to determine if an IV fluid bolus would help reduce pain or improve other outcomes for those with a benign headache. Clearly not the patients with subarachnoid hemorrhage, but this is the more sort of minor and moderate group of patients who turn up with headache. All patients received uh, plocorperazine and diphenhydramine and they were randomised to receive either 20 mils per kilo, um, up to 1,000 mils in fact, of normal saline in the fluid bolus group or 5 mils, the control group. And perhaps surprisingly, the patient that received the fluid bolus for their headaches had similar improvement in their pain and other outcomes as those who did not. So although we've been giving fluids for this group of patients, often given for migraine actually in the past, because um, you always think they're a bit dehydrated, particularly if they've been vomiting, it would suggest that in this trial there was uh, no particular benefit. Then we're going to have a look at broken bones. So in the UK, a Collie's fracture accounts for nearly one-sixth of all fractures presenting to the ED. I did not know that, but uh, I guess over winter in the UK, when it gets a bit slippy, we see a lot in our uh, department. So learning how to manipulate a Collie's fracture, usually under a hematoma block, and um, for many is a rite of passage for trainees. But we rarely get to see how these patients fare afterwards or how effective our management has been. And actually, put an interjection in there. Not all EDs do this. My ED, we don't do the manipulations that often down here. Or certainly not to try and obtain perfection, but just usually to do for um, vascular or skin compromise. So um, it's really interesting to read a paper by uh, Malik and colleagues in this issue. Um, in response to a local audit that suggested a high proportion of these injuries often require surgical fixation, they did a multi-centre observational study in 16 EDs um, back in 2019, between February and March. All patients who underwent manipulation of a Collie's fracture in the EDs were looked at, and they actually managed to get 328 patients who presented with a distal radial fracture during the study period. 83 of those underwent fracture manipulation and were eligible for the study, and of those 83 cases, 41% required surgical fixation. Younger patients are more likely to have a surgical fixation, but the ED anaesthetic used did not affect the subsequent need for surgery in the sample. And so the authors suggest that these findings merit further research, particularly in terms of rationalising repeat procedures. I think it's a tricky one, that one. There's a lot of patient selection about who gets manipulated and who doesn't. So it's not an RCT, this is an observational study. And there may be biases there. And there's, there's differences between different hospitals and different surgeons and different ED consultants. So it's an observational issue. I think it's an interesting one. I think this, despite collies being so common, it's been around for so long, there's still some really good work to be done on how best to treat this group of patients. So that's August. Um, I hope things are going well for you. I hope you're enjoying the good weather in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, if you're listening in the Southern Hemisphere, most of the people down there have still got better weather than we do in the Northern Hemisphere, but there you go. And uh, we will be back to speak to you again in September. But, uh, stay safe and uh, yeah, wash your hands. Thank you.